What's up, guys? It's Miki. This week, I want to jump right into this week's episode, and I want to get started reading the scripture because I have so much to read. I'm going to read the scripture. I'm going to break it down, explain it, and then I'm going to talk about, I'm going to explain what we're talking about this week, okay? So follow along with me, and y'all know I'm going to make a click and make it make sense. So we are in 1 Samuel chapter 19. I want to read a little bit about the relationship dynamic between Jonathan and David. As we know, they are the epitome of true devotion divine friendship and connection and of a true divine relationship that is outside of marriage. For the most part, we emphasize marriage, but we don't emphasize great friendship. And there are levels to friendship because there are great, great friends and great friendship. And then there is the friendship where God has ordained it and orchestrated it. And I feel like we should put value in that as much as we put value in marriage. All right, so let's jump into it. So just a little backdrop. Um, Saul is trying to kill David. He's already jealous of him at this point and he's feeling some type of way. He has a tormenting spirit and everything. And because he had a tormenting spirit, this is what made David come into the palace and play the harp for him, if I'm not mistaken, and just play beautiful music. And I think the Goliath story has already happened at this point. So it's full-blown jealousy. Like, he the the girlies were singing about David and was like oh song like you killed your your thousands or whatever but David like he was blasting them all right so that made Saul a little jealous let's jump into it first Samuel chapter 19 and I'm just gonna get started reading all right so it says Saul now urged his servants and his son Jonathan to assassinate David But Jonathan, because of his close friendship with David, told him what his father was planning. Tomorrow morning, he warned him, you must find a hiding place out in the fields. I'll ask my father to go out there with me. I'll talk to him about you. Then I'll I'll tell you everything I can find out. Almost said I can text you. Like, they didn't have phones back then. That's what we would have done if it was in today's time. (laughs) Scripture, let's see, verse four. The next morning, Jonathan spoke with his father about David saying many good things about him. Please don't sin against David. Jonathan pleaded. He's never done anything to harm you. He has always helped you in any way he could. Have you forgotten about the time he risked his life to kill the Philistine giant and how the Lord brought a great victory to Israel as a result? You were certainly happy about it then. Why should you murder an innocent man like David? There's no reason at all for for it. So Saul listened to Jonathan and vowed, as surely as the Lord lives, David will not be killed. Afterward, Jonathan called David and told him what happened. Then he took David to see Saul. Everything was as it had been before. War broke out shortly after that, and David led his troops against the Philistines. He attacked them with such fury that they all ran away. But one day, as Saul was sitting at home, the tormenting spirit from the Lord, hmm, let me talk about that with Job, how sometimes God will allow certain things. And there's a reason that Saul had a spirit and everything like y'all Saul at this point, Saul has already disobeyed the Lord. Saul has already like lost. God is not with him anymore. Like God is still around. God is still omnipresent, but God's anointing is not with him anymore. Like he's already anointed David. Now the timing for David to be king is not time yet, but like God is already displeased with Saul. He Saul was already disobedient. Saul already didn't listen. So you'd have to go back and read previous chapters to understand the full dynamics of everything. I'm just trying to give you the gist. All right. 
So verse nine, but one day as Saul was sitting at home, the tormenting spirit from the Lord suddenly came upon him again. As David played his harp for the king, Saul hurled his spear at David in an attempt to kill him. But David dodged out of the way and escaped into the night, leaving the spear stuck in the wall. Skip, 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 skip. There's a couple of more attempts, a couple of more attempts. Let's go to chapter 20 and let's go down to verse five. David replied, tomorrow we will celebrate the new moon festival. I've always eaten with your father on this occasion, but tomorrow I'll hide in the field and stay there until the evening of the third day. If your father asks where I am, tell him I ask permission to go home to Bethlehem for an annual family sacrifice. If he says, fine, then you will know all is well. But if he is angry and loses his temper, then you will know he was planning to kill me. Show me this kindness as my sworn friend. For we made a covenant together before the Lord. Or kill me yourself if I have sinned against your father, but please don't betray me to him. I want to pause right there because covenant. Covenant, we only usually think of that when we think of uh, in the sexual way, in the marriage way, or literally in the spiritual sexual way of two bodies joining in one and the way God looks at marriage, all that kind of stuff, right? We That's why I said we only look at the connections that God brings together for the most part or put strong emphasis on marriage. But what happens when you create a covenant in your friendships? Just as serious, just as important, doesn't necessarily need to involve sexual intimacy, but should take a high uh, order and priority. I'm not saying put them over your spouse at all. I'm not saying that at all. Let me be very clear about that. But when you have true friends, you need to value them. You need to honor them. It needs to be reciprocated from both aspects kind of thing. Do not underestimate the value of a good friend. There's a scripture in the Bible that says uh, a friend will stick closer to you than a brother. Not 100% the exact translation, but y'all know the scripture that I'm talking about. All right. So let's move on to nine. Let's pick it back up reading. Never, Jonathan exclaimed. You know that if I had the slightest notion my father was planning to kill you, I would tell you at once. Then David asked, how will I know whether or not your father is angry? Come out to the field with me, Jonathan replied. And they went out there together. Then Jonathan told David, I promise by the Lord, the God of Israel, that by this time tomorrow or the next day at the latest, I will talk to my father and let you know at once how he feels about you. If he speaks favorably about you, I will let you know. But if he is angry and wants you killed, may the Lord kill me if I don't warn you so you can escape and live. Not may the Lord kill me. Like not only did David be like, look, if I've done something against your dad, kill me now, strike me down kind of stuff. And then Jonathan returning that same kind of level of energy, like matching energy, like, look, if I don't do my job as your best friend and let you know that your life is in danger, may the Lord, you know, get me because I'm not upholding our, my due diligence as your friend. I'm not upholding my responsibility to our covenant kind of thing, right? This is serious to them. It's not just, I feel like we use friendship so loosely. Everybody's a friend, everybody's a bro, everybody's a sister, everybody's fam, bam. Like, no, like, um, I hate to say it because I know how certain people feel about zodiac signs and then some people are gonna flame me up because I believe in God and I know they're gonna be like, this is demonic, blah, 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 blah. But I'm an aqua and we take friendship very, very serious. I can't say every Aquarius in the world because, duh, 
like we're still human beings and zodiac signs they're like fun and stuff to deal with but it's not the end all be all okay relax let's not i like it's the end all be all but it just like people have made fun of me in different stages of my life because they'll be like you take friendships so serious and i'm like yeah why would i not take who I am entrusting with secrets, who I say that I love. Like, I ain't just out here just saying that. I'm not just out here just giving empty words. Why would I not take it seriously? And it's so nice to see a biblical context of a friendship that is taken serious, that is honored, that is valued, especially if it was a point that like people kind of tease me at and or what kind of poke holes at for everybody's own different reasons and I'm I'm not here to get into any of that. Let's pick back up with the reading. Uh we are still chapter 20. We are now verse 13. May the Lord be with you as he used to be with my father. And may you treat me with the faithful love of the Lord as long as I live. But if I die, treat my family with this faithful love, even when the Lord destroys all your enemies. So Jonathan made a covenant with David saying, may the Lord destroy all your enemies. And Jonathan made David reaffirm his vow of friendship again. For Jonathan loved David as much as he loved himself. Goes back to the biblical scripture of basically you, you need to love yourself as you need to love your neighbor as yourself, but it starts with loving yourself. And that's a whole different podcast episode. But I'll just stop right here because I think it kind of paints the picture and the seriousness of their friendship. Not only did they have a connection with each other, but Jonathan made sure he asked David, can you please show this kind of love and kindness and faithfulness to the future generations that are attached to me? And I think you know, sometimes we don't honor that or sometimes we don't take it as serious. But I'll speak for the Black community a lot of times. You know, your friends, the like their kids are your family. They are your family kind of thing. Like this is your best friend. That's your auntie. That's your uncle. These are your cousins. Like that's just the kind of dynamic that it is in the Black community. Now, some of them probably don't need to be represented as auntie, uncle, and you know what I mean? But then there are a lot that qualify and that unfortunately, depending on the family dynamics you come from, will probably be treated better by your friends that are family versus your actual blood family kind of thing. So sometimes it's a cool thing and a great thing to have. All right. Now that I've read scripture and kind of painted that background, this week, I want to talk about divine connections in divine relationships, right? So as we can see, Jonathan and David are not just regular, regular friends. They be what we call BFFs, best friends forever, Biffles, best friends for life, you know? They are the true definition of I will lay my life down for you or whatever you need, I'll do. Jonathan, I'm sure, loved his father, right? Jonathan, if you read the scriptures, because I didn't even read all of it, Jonathan 
you see him be like, my dad's not mad. Like, of course not. Why would he do that kind of thing? Like, no, you're fine. And David literally having to be like, no, bro, listen to me. I know that's your father, but I know what I see. I know what I feel. He is not pleased with me. And for Jonathan to respect David's opinion that much and step out, even though that was his dad and look at it from a neutral kind of perspective and without rose colored glasses just because it was his dad to be like whoa okay they don't have my best friend's interest at heart they are talking down on my best friend they're trying to literally take away a divine connection that i have shows you how much jonathan really value david's opinion but also when i pointed out how david was like look if i have harmed your father full-blown give you permission to kill me now shows you how much David not only entrusted Jonathan but said look if I've harmed you or if I've harmed one of your people you take me out like you know you you punish me kind of thing I love you enough and I value enough to know that if you are doing this to me you're not doing this willing like uh, all willy-nilly you're not doing this just because you may have the power or the authority to because your dad is still king at this time like you would be doing like I would have warranted this for it to be done but I love the grace and the caution that even with full-blown permission that David gives still pauses and is Jonathan still pauses and is like wait a minute let me just see what's going on let me see what's going on with my dad let me check out your story let me see what's going on let's see so as you read on and they come up with this plan you discover that Saul really is upset with David and David gives him the signal that he Jonathan gives David the signal that he needs to escape and get away and Saul is like pissed because his plan was to murder David the the tormenting spirit and the jealousy and everything was kind of coming to an head the fact that God's uh oil and his anointing wasn't on him anymore it it really bothered Saul as as I feel like it would really bother any of us I'm not trying to paint Saul as like this this terrible human being I think he was a typical human being and I don't think any of us would like if God's hands was off our life like if one point is like I was a king that you people asked for like I, I, this was the king I didn't ask to be king y'all asked for me God put me in this position. I messed up. I get, I moved before he told me to move. I acted before he gave me clear instructions to act. I went and did my own thing without doing what God told me to do. And because of that, it cost me my reign. Because of that, it cost me my kingdom. But what a lot of people don't understand is, is that even though God's hand was off of Saul, he still let him rule for years. I forgot the exact amount of time because I heard a preacher say it before, but it was years on top of years on top of years. Like Saul ruled a good little minute after God's anointing. So you got to think about from the human perspective, because these are still human beings, even though it was just a long time ago. These are human beings, you guys. Put yourself in their shoes. Like Saul had some messed up moments, but don't we all? Like overall, I wouldn't say like he's a messed up person. He's just 
he's human and he did some really bad things and it's easy to hate Saul but kind of put yourself in Saul's position of have have we all not experienced a little bit of jealousy before now all of us may not be consumed with it or you may have a fleeting thought or something you're like oh that's not cool that's not good or whatever um and then you let it go but you understand the emotion of jealousy. You understand the emotion of loss. Maybe not to the same scale as everybody. Like everybody has different levels of loss that they've experienced, but we've all lost something, whether it's a game, a person, or just ourselves, right? And think about being a human, losing everything, seeing the person that you can't stand or the person that you feel like is everybody's loving and they're hating you or you feel like it's next up in line like you can feel that they can do what you do even better and you watch your flesh and blood seed your son be best friends with him love him dearly honor him dearly and them honor each other back like as messed up as it was you kind of look at Saul when you look at him from human eyes and you think I'm sure that it, it triggered him. It made him feel some type of way. Like, why are you sticking up for this man I don't like? Like, you're my son. Like, he's not even your flesh and blood. And I mean, flesh and blood is not the the biggest thing to me. But, you know, people will quickly try to use that against you. Like, you're my blood. Stick with me kind of thing and all that. Like, it is crazy. Crazy. So, I try to look at Saul from a human perspective kind of thing, right? Cool. So fast forward to just the covenant with David and how everything is. I just, I really admire their friendship. I really admire how they communicated with each other. This is the truth of what I'm feeling about someone that's close to you. And I respect your opinion enough that I don't believe you'll set me up, Jonathan. I believe that no matter what comes from this outcome, if you feel like I need to die, I'll die. Or I trust you enough that even though you are the son of the man who wants to murder me, you still will, I trust you to tell me the truth. I trust you to help me escape from the man that wants to honor me, even though that's your father. Like, do you see all these different power dynamics and everything and really understanding their love and empathy for each other, really understanding their bond, really understanding their covenant? And do you understand how they include God in every step of the way? Uh, back in chapter 20, verse 17, and Jonathan made David reaffirm his vow of friendship again for Jonathan loved David as much as he loved himself. That's not the one I'm looking for. Let's go up. Um, chapter 20, verse 13, 14, may the Lord be with you. May the Lord, them including God, may the Lord be with you as he used to be with my father. And may he treat me and may you treat me with the faithful love of the Lord as long as I live. But if I die, treat my family with this faithful love, even when the Lord destroys our enemies. Um, I don't know exactly where it is in the Bible, but if you fast forward into time when David finally becomes king, Jonathan is dead. Spoiler alert at this point. Jonathan, I think he's dead at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's dead at this point. I want to say he is. He has a, and if I'm wrong, sorry guys, but I really think Jonathan is dead at this point. After you fast forward in time and John, uh, David is king and everything, Jonathan has a son and he is a crippled son. He, I don't remember, I don't know how to say his name, Meshibeth, it starts with an M, M, 
and he was dropped. It was like this fighting going on. He was dropped. He was dropped by somebody who was trying to like help him escape. And she like paralyzed him and stuff. It's a whole thing. Fast forward, David is king. They realize this is the the connection. Like you are my best friend's child. He's no longer around, but I will honor you. I will serve you. You will have a seat at the table. You will have anything you need. David honors the promise in the request of his best friend that he asked all the way back in first samuel david honors that uh later down the line and i don't have that exact scripture pulled up in front of me that's why i didn't read it but you guys can read it for yourself like their friendship is the definition of a biblical connection also i've said on episodes where tim ross has been talking to his best friend preston and he says when we have conversations i can feel jesus it feels like jesus pulls up a seat at the table and i fully understand what they mean when i'm around certain people and i have different conversations it can be the simplest conversations it doesn't have to be deep right but i can feel god's presence i also heard tim ross explain to mike todd michael michael todd um shout out pastor mike from tc whoop, whoop. shout out tc nation um they were having the conversation on his basement episode that recently came out about when it was they were talking about damage not destroyed and all that kind of stuff everybody go check out damage not destroyed go by the book thank you basically they were saying how god will speak to you on your way to certain connections and certain people i have been around certain people when i have got very prolific life-changing news or I have, I noticed that I hear God clearer around certain people. God knows to tell me specific visions around certain people. And it's not that I immediately jump up and repeat it to the person, but God knows to tell me certain things when I'm around certain people. And I noticed that and I, I thought like, huh, okay. Like I noticed God, you'll speak to me more when I'm around certain people. Or you'll, or you, it seems like I can hear you clearer around certain people, or I have this vision, but now it makes sense when I'm around certain people. Have y'all ever had that feeling? It is the divine connection, right? It is a space that is safe enough for God to speak to you, to show you certain things, for God to, I can't explain it. Like Tim Ross was saying how, when he got the idea to start the app that's getting ready to come out, everything, he was on his way to Pastor Mike. I think they also said in that episode when God gave him a word to, to retire from pastoring, he was on his way or Pastor Mike was on his way to him. But either way, they were on, like they were about to be in the presence of each other. And it was so nice to hear somebody else explain something that I had been feeling, but didn't know how to articulate myself. I guess what I want to say is, and the whole point of this episode, is do not underestimate the divine connections in your life. Yeah, there are connections that feel great, but it's a whole nother level of intimacy. It's a whole nother level of umph. It's a whole nother level of love. It's a whole nother level of clarity when it's a divine connection. It's a whole nother level of, it's just like, it's inviting enough for God to be there. Like sometimes I feel like I'm around people and it's like, sure, God is there because God is in me, God is in them. We all believe in God, blah, 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 blah. But it's, you feel it in your soul, right? You know how they say friendships can be soulmates too? Like you feel it in your soul, like, 
God is here. Like even if you're not speaking of God, you know God is here. You look back over certain things that you have went through with the person and you're like, there is nobody else who could have walked with me through this but you. God was, what have I talked about on plenty of episodes? God is what? He is intentional about doing everything. God is intentional about everything, including aligning us with certain people in our life to walk us through different seasons, to walk us through different things. And no matter who the divine connection is or where it comes from, honor it, take care of it, cherish it. Because I cannot emphasize to you enough, you can have great people in your life. And there is a whole nother level that is unlocked when it is a divine connection. Okay. So um, if you want to get a little more insight to what I believe a divine connection looks like, of course, you can Google that or whatever. But I would highly encourage everybody to go look into David and Jonathan's friendship a little more. Get the true definition of a friend will stick closer to you than a brother. Get the true definition of honoring a covenant with your best friend, of honoring promises that you two make, of entrusting each other with very serious things and trusting the other person enough to know that they will tell you the truth in love and that they do not mean you no harm and that they will protect you from harm even if it's coming from a loved one, another friend, a person that they may like, I don't see it, but if you tell me, okay, I'm going to honor and respect that. Like they really valued each other's opinions. They really could entrust each other with not only their deepest, darkest secrets, but their highest pains and their deepest, darkest pains too, right? So that would be an example that I would say, go, just go look into and then pray about it and ask God, like, God, do I have any divine connections? And if I do show them to me, and then after you show them to me, teach me and reveal to me how to not only honor them, value them, love them, and serve them. Because we are put here to serve. Serve them well. All right, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed our scripture reading. Because y'all know I love to give y'all some background and some backdrop. And I can't wait to see what we talk about next time. All right, guys. Bye.